having the freedom to ask, you know, is this what I want and explore these avenues, it just really unlocked, I guess, the entrepreneurial spirit within. Uh, so um, diving into the multifamily mastermind, really learned a lot of high level things that I never thought I would, you know, be interested in, but it was great. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Michael Leland, a nurse to Today I'm here with Michael Leland, a nurse nurse anesthesiologist who took a courageous step two years ago leaving behind a secure W-2 job in academic clinical settings to embark on a journey of independent practice in rural East Texas. Michael, I don't know why I can't stay, say anesthesiologist today, I'm sorry about that, but um, I'm going to stop there and kind of let you tell your story. We've talked before, I think it's a really fascinating journey and, and I just... Um, want to let you kind of tell the listeners in your own words. So, so first, let me just say thank you for coming on the show. I, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think I've always had a calling to serve people, which led me to nursing. And I sort of climbed the ladder, started as a nurse's aide, went and got my BSN, worked as an RN in ICU, and eventually found my way to grad school. So I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, what everyone told me I had to do, go through school, um, you know, climb the ladder, get advancements in your, your practice and career. And I found myself in a very busy W-2 academic setting. And I think a lot of people can resonate with this. Um, ultimately, especially with the craziness of 2020, um, at the W-2 job, the dream life ended up not being so dreamy. Um, I found myself, you know, I was taking great care of patients and I loved that part of it, but it was all at the expense of my personal life. And um, wasn't really there for my newborn, wasn't really there for my wife. And eventually push came to shove and we decided to take this leap of faith to change how I worked. So I started doing independent contracting in rural East Texas in very small rural settings, solo. So much different than a very busy academic setting. Um, It was a lifestyle gig, so I had the freedom to um, not have call, not have nights or weekends, but you know there's pros and cons wherever you go. And one of the advantages of working independently in this setting, I had more time. And this time allowed me to examine my life. And I asked questions, you know, am I doing what I should be doing with my gifts to serve others? And I think the answer I found was no. And about that time, I found Robert Kiyosaki, started questioning, you know, maybe I should be doing some real estate investing. And I sort of dove into that with multifamily. I was in a mastermind and I learned some high level um, information there, but I was still too busy in the clinical setting to do much with it. I made some pivots along the way. I've done some um, air quotes, passive investing with private lending and some transactional funding. And it brings me to now where I'm looking to bring this back to my peers. So that's really the 30,000 foot view of my story. Sure. And I think it's, you know, sort of that, that journey you went through of 
realization of you know not not being there with your newborn things like that i mean i I feel like that's a lot of what happens to us medical professionals i've had other medical professionals on the podcast myself like it's just it's kind of like something I, i think a lot of times it's a child but like something comes along and you're like i wasn't i wasn't able to be there for it because i've put so much into this career and and taking care of other people and and all of that and and it, you start to kind of lose yourself i think in it um when you when you made that transition into you know kind of away from the academic setting how did like how did your schedule specifically change because i think a, a lot of people outside of the medical profession maybe don't understand exactly all that goes into it you know you sort of touched on being on call and things like that. But how did your schedule change and, and how did that free you up? So going back to the W-2 um, academic life, um, I started out doing five eights. Uh, so Monday through Friday, um, supposedly seven to three, but that was never predictable. It was always over. Mm-hmm. And eventually I, I toyed with all the options available. They wouldn't reduce my FTE. Um, so that went to four tens and a combination of twelves eventually and it always was more 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 and i didn't have a lot of pto didn't have a lot of time off and there was call mixed in there so um, really when i went into independent contracting i sought out this contract that i ultimately went with because it was more of a lifestyle contract instead of being an inpatient in the hospital i went to an outpatient surgery center type setting where you know, they're not open on the weekends. They don't have call. They don't have an emergency room. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was pretty liberating. Um, and especially in this rural setting, most of the days were shorter. Some of them, you know, would drag on sometimes, but it was rare. So a lot of times I'd be getting home, you know, at the earliest sometimes by like 10 a.m. for the day. Sometimes it would go on. So it was really a drastic change. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the being on call thing was uh, very big for me it was something that I, in a lot of ways at the beginning of my career, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I I sometimes enjoyed it. It's like, Oh, it's exciting. I got to go in and fix something in the middle of the night. Right? Like they must really need me. It's almost like a feel good sort of moment, but then it it really does start to get, especially like once you have kids or just like the idea of essentially not being, I always looked at it this way. It's like, I can't do anything like simple thing. Like, going to a movie it's like well if i get called in the movie i might have to leave so then i just wouldn't do those things or like mm-hmm. take you know going out to dinner and it's like oh well we might we might get interrupted and have to leave and so you just start to put those things aside and just say oh, i can't do those when i'm on call and then i started to realize that we, we would the way our on-call schedule worked is we would work every third week you'd be on call for a whole week and so the week of on call, I'd be like, ah, that's that's totally shot. I know I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do anything. I'll probably be tired because I'll be up several nights, that kind of thing. And then the week after that would be recovery week from mm-hmm. that hard week. And then the week, the next week would be dreading the coming week. And so it was just like, <laughs> it never, it kind of never went away. It never got out of that cycle. And and for me, that was probably the single most liberating thing about leaving a w2 job was getting away from being on call and just like Mm -hmm. truly being in charge of of my schedule and like now if i want to do surgery in the middle of the night 
sure, I can do like there are things that I have control over much more. So I, I imagine that that lifestyle shift um, is it, I, I understand just how you know good that can feel and, and how freeing. So you said you, you mentioned uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You kind of had these, um, you know, transformational things that you came across. Walk us through that that journey a little bit more in terms of like actually venturing into real estate and, and your first steps and, and kind of how that developed. I know you, you were in a mastermind or we still are, but like how did that all um, play into your, your uh, work life change as well? Sure. So kind of as I mentioned, um, just having the freedom to ask, you know, is this what I want and explore these avenues, it just really unlocked, I guess, the entrepreneurial spirit within. Uh, so um, diving into the multifamily mastermind really learned a lot of high level things that I never thought I would you know, be interested in, but it was great. Um, unfortunately, even though um, I have more freedom with my contracting job, it still was just too unpredictable and too busy to really make appointments and schedule and pursue the way I at least wanted to this multifamily. So I pivoted um, early this year to do something I felt which I could solve better um, the problem. I had available money, but I didn't have available time. So mm -hmm. I learned how to do some transactional funding. And I did a lot of that as joint ventures with other investors who were active with it. Um, the idea is to assist, you know, one of the entry points for real estate investing is wholesaling. So with transactional funding, you can help them out with earnest money deposits and double closings, um, just connecting wholesalers who don't have that capital available. Um, so you come in the transaction, it's real quick, you're in, you're out, and you move on to the next one. And even with that and my time constraints, I still didn't get to do it the way I wanted to. And um, I've done some private lending with um, some some people I know that are operating local to me, so the trust is there. Yeah, and it, it's maybe speaks to the fact that real estate has you know almost countless numbers of ways you can be involved and and almost reverse engineering that from the position of this is how I want my life to look. What can I do with it? You know, and and so uh, private lending again, it's another great way to you know, people, there's always, there's always someone in need of some money to make something happen, whether that's those wholesalers or um, house flippers, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different ways. And then you can make, make money on, on your money. And again, it's, it's, uh, you know, not 100% passive, but maybe more passive than uh, if you're, you know, kind of in the weeds and, and doing the wholesaling or the flips or whatever it is yourself. And so, what's your is that kind of where you think you want to take this do you have um kind of other vision for how you want your real estate part of your life to to look going forward so really that's been one of the big breakthroughs the past three or four months is the realization because um, i think i was spending a lot of time trying to run away from my anesthesia practice mm -hmm. and the turning point was when it clicked in my head and i you know there's a lot of entrepreneurial leaders that talk about this the person who stands out to me is ed Milet, who said you're always best positioned to serve who you once were and um so i think about um, where i was before i took that leap and started to get some relief and mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about real estate um, other than you know some passive things that you learn along the way, but the power of it, I didn't really know how to do it or where to get started. So 
what I really want to do now is focus on serving who I once was, my peers who are, you know, stuck in the grind and are burning out. And I think the burnout rates are through the, through the chart, off the chart right now. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's worthwhile to come back and help other people find a way forward to a more meaningful uh, work-life balance, a more uh, meaningful existence. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. The burnout, you know, across the board in in terms of medical professionals is is very high. What is your? I guess how are you doing it? Have you started with an education program? What's your um, process there? Um, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. Um, one of my uh, mentors along the way is Richie Norton, and one of the quotes that really resonates with me is when he was on some sort of mission trip in South America, he really wanted to help those people. And he thought he would have to wait till he retired to do it. And he realized, you know, how many generations would go without getting help if he waited. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it comes back to the idea of taking action, imperfect action and getting started. So my way of getting started is to um, build an education platform to teach um, medical professionals the basics to how to get into real estate investing and then um, as they go along, have more opportunities to get dive deeper into um, passive investing um, because I imagine a lot of my peers won't have the time to do um, the active syndicating. So to teach them how to vet sponsors, vet deals, get into passive um, positions in syndications or group investments, and then um, connect them with vetted deals along the way. Yeah, and I, I think that's a you know, sort of an important um, position to be in, in that, you know, the the time that people put into uh, their medical, their medical, I guess, education and, and then work thereafter, it, it does definitely make it hard to shift. And I think a lot of people don't know that, again, all of these different opportunities that are available within real estate. So it's like a lot of people I talk to, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I know people do, you know, they, they invest in real estate. I've thought about buying a duplex and I and I just haven't pulled the trigger. And, and that like that's all it means to them. They don't really understand that there's a world of options outside of that, whether that's being passively invested in a syndication or doing, uh, you know, private lending like you're doing or, or, or really any other number of ways that you can be um, involved. And so I, I do think your story of you know, sort of realizing that your wife, your life wasn't structured the way you wanted it to be and, and really looking at how you wanted that to look is so important for people to do. And then having uh, an, an educational program in place like you have is, is to, is, it's going to allow them to kind of make those connections. If they want to become active, become active. If they want mm-hmm. to, you know, know that passive options are available, then that's there for, for to them. And, and, and I think that the, that, you know, connection with someone who they can know and trust and has, you know, sort of been in their shoes. Um, I didn't, I hadn't heard that quote from Ed Milet before, but I like it. I think it's very, uh, very important thing to think about, you know, people talk about finding your avatar and stuff like that, but I actually think that that quote says it better in that you're, you know, your best position to help the person you once were, or, or I guess in a lot of ways still are, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and kind of, you know, help bringing people along with you on that journey. Absolutely. 
what is your so how how do you what types of resources how do you plan to kind of make this available to people or or is it all i want if people are um if it's already available you know people listening this want to reach out i definitely want them to to know how all right so i'm recently entered into space that i've created to do this i've structured my contracting much different to give me more free time to build this business out so right now i'm still very much in the startup phase i'm hoping for a q1 launch next year um, I'm hoping to get some some of the basic um, courses live for people to start digging into and then scale it from there. As far as how it's structured, I want to do it a little bit uniquely that I really haven't seen a lot of other people doing. Um, I want to bring in various experts um, from around a lot of the different investing spaces, bring them together to leverage their expertise. Um, I recognize you know, it's a journey I still have learning to do, so I want to leverage the experts through this platform to bring different perspectives and you know ultimately um, this might be way down the road but I think it'd be great to have these experts together to analyze deals so you get you don't get the best you know rosy image from whoever's bringing the deal you get some real life pros and cons and um, interpretation from people who've been doing it yeah that would be great I mean I think everybody everybody says that they underwrite deals conservatively everybody says you know we're we're there's there's kind of all this this um <laughs> packaging that goes around um deals that you know sort of are par fairly consistent across the board and um i think the idea of having a sounding board if you're looking at a deal is actually fantastic just you know here's several people that I can say, hey, this, you know, this looks good, or this is being presented as, you know, X, what, what should I be looking for? What can, uh, what could be the pitfalls or problems that we might come into? You know, mm -hmm. you, you, there's no perfect deal, but understanding kind of what things to look for, and then um, aligning that with your own investment philosophy, I think is uh, super important. And having that, that panel to do it with, I think would be would be fantastic. You know, it'd be great for um, these experts to point out uh, the different aspects of the deal that would better align with your risk tolerance as an investor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, it's there's certainly deals that get uh, that get closed, and you might hear, uh, you know, whoever's whoever's buying that deal, they're they're super excited. They think it's a great deal. You might have someone else that looks at that deal and thinks, I would never do that. And and again, it's it doesn't even necessarily mean one is right or wrong it just means that there's a, a different perspective a dis different as you said risk tolerance um maybe you know maybe the person who uh thinks it's a great deal has a has a creative look on something a different way to add value you know whatever it is there's there's all mm -hmm. kinds of different so yeah having the having those experts be able to explain why they think this particular asset would be a good purchase or you know or why they don't think it's a good purchase i kind mm -hmm. of think there's uh, a ton of value to that so that's that's fantastic i think it would be something to to look forward to and and in reality probably by by the time this episode comes out it'll be <laughs> pretty in line with uh with the launch if you get it out there in q1 so um definitely people should be on the lookout for that and it and is within your own portfolio is that something you're looking to grow as part of this program or um kind of how do you how do you see that going for you um absolutely i think 
I mean, if you look at it, it has the potential to be synergistic through all levels, um, through all who are involved with it. Um, of course, um, I want to help other people with the education to get started. And then um, it doesn't make sense if I'm targeting people who are busy and don't have time. To me, it doesn't make sense to not also bring them opportunities. And I think right. having those uh, multiple eyes vetting the various deals that actually come to the platform, um, I think that's advantageous for these people who are busy and might be a little weary to get started. So, yeah. um, of course, the people bringing the deals are going to benefit. The people getting the knowledge and having the opportunities are going to benefit. And being part of the community myself, it's going to benefit me and help me also grow my portfolio to place my money right alongside my community. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, that also helps to build trust. If, if you're bringing these deals to your community and, and you're also investing in them, then it just goes to show that you sort of truly believe in whatever it is you're you're presenting them with so i think that's important for people to uh probably recognize that that you know see that as part of that package um amazing i i, I look out for that because i think that's going to be uh, a fantastic platform for people to be able to get involved and learn and be be a part of um you know sort of growing and figuring out how they want to start their real estate journey or, or continue their real estate journey and grow mm -hmm. forward. Um, uh, that's, that is a very cool idea. So l let me ask you, you know, some of the questions that I, that I ask every guest and I want to, um, we'll, we'll kind of dive into them each individually. But the first question I always ask is, is, uh, based on the name of the show being know your why. And so I, I, I would like to ask you, what is your why, Michael? What's, what's driving you? What kind of keeps you moving forward here? I know, I think you've touched on some of it, but, but mm -hmm. I want to give you the chance to, um, expand. I think at the core, I've always wanted to serve others. And the thing that really sort of um, was at odds with that through the W-2 job and some of it here in the rural setting um, has driven me towards real estate to be able to serve others. Um, it's a joke of mine to say I'm looking forward to working with people when they're awake. And I really do mean that. I want to make um, connections with people, um, not while they're under anesthesia. So. I think back to 2020, my, our only child came right before the lockdowns and madness really unfolded. And, you know, they say you always, when you are about to have a child, you know, you think about things you hear, how it changes you. But when you actually go through it, um, you just can't speak to that until you've done it. And yeah. uh, really my why at that point was my family and the stresses of that period of time, uh, the uncertainty, um, becoming a father, I think all those things um, made me really examine my life and realize, you know, it wasn't where it needed to be. And I had to make that leap of faith to um, find a better path for us. Yeah, yeah, I have a, a theory, tell me what you think, but um, I think that Probably most people have an idea of what type of parent they want to be, but I don't think you really know what type of parent you are until you actually have a kid. Like, and I think that, like the example I would say is like, you have, you know, some some people might might think they want to be a stay-at-home parent, right? They're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the one. And then and then they have a kid and, and that actually just doesn't, is, isn't appealing in the way that they thought it would be. And that's that's great. And I think there's some people that think, 
oh, I'm, you know, going to be the <laughs> always gone working. I'm, I'm fine with my spouse taking care of that child. Like, and, and then you realize, hey, I don't, I mean, I, before I had kids, I worked all the time and didn't bother me at all. And it was like, at a very significant shift in what my focus was at that mm -hmm. point. And I, and I just don't think you probably know. And, and I also think if you, you try to stick to whatever you thought it was going to be before it happens, and that's not consistent with how you actually feel, it's, it's going to make for a hard time. So I, I do think, um, you know, people allowing themselves some grace to reassess how they feel about their lives, especially when something like that child comes into it, um, is, is, is probably a really important, obviously having a child is an important time in life, but I think like thinking about your own interaction with that child and, and the, uh, the way you want your life to look once they come along, I, I just, um, is something that I, that I, again, didn't really think about beforehand, but now that I have kids is definitely a big shifting, uh, focus for me. I think absolutely I resonate with that. Um, I think that the stress was on my relationship with my wife and we just kind of worked through it. I was one of those who just worked a lot because I had to. Mm -hmm. And then really um, having our daughter and the lockdowns and just the uncertainty of everything really was a forcing function to um, step back and realize we needed to make changes. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I think it, you know, I'm not sure I'm not sure if the pandemic hadn't happened if it would have changed how I felt about all this or not. I really it's hard to know because it did happen, but I do think yeah, just that introducing a new life that, that you're responsible for into, you know, kind of what was was already your norm. Um it really just it just changes things and it, it not good or bad it just changes things and you just have to kind of um figure out how how things look for you from there going forward so i, I just think it's a um interesting co concept and I, I just like hearing how other people have dealt with it in um in my case it was a huge wake-up call of realization that i needed to explore uh, passive income streams mm -hmm. um i was on paternity leave you know my practice was huge there was 300 crnas there and they were always wanting extra help. So my plan was to take my paternity leave and pick up every now and then, uh, not burn all my PTO. I didn't have a lot. And then, you know, in a blink of an eye, like your certainty is gone. So, yeah. you know, what's your backup plan? What's your strategy? Um, that's where I was. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. And it's just, uh, you, the idea that a, that a job is, you know, the safest option um, is probably uh, a, a, an easy thing to kind of believe and, and go along with until something happens that makes it not so. And then if that was your only source of income, then, you know, that's that's big trouble. So uh, I, I do think these are all important things for people to be thinking about, whether you have kids, don't have kids, just kind of like structuring your life to have options. I mean, ultimately, you know, you you can love your job and continue to work your job and still set up other streams of income. Um, it just gives you that optionality to 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 say no if you don't love that job anymore, or what, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. So, um, definitely just a, an interesting um, I don't know topic to <laughs> to dwell on. 
Um, on a on a lighter note, second question <laughs> typically is, uh, tell me something about yourself that that isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, anything that uh, let people know you a little bit better um, as a as a person. Anything you're comfortable sharing? Sure. Um, I always like figuring out how to do new things. And prior to becoming a father, what I found my release in when I wasn't working was woodworking. So I, um, up in Minnesota before we moved, I crafted a solid red oak, four foot by 11 foot farmhouse style table. In hindsight, I would have made it more, um, more friendly to move. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but I yeah. wasn't planning at the time on moving, but it's, um, you know, doing everything right. So it expands and contracts and doesn't split. Um, it was very satisfying to figure all that out. Yeah, no, I, I love, I just love working with my hands. I think I've never I've made a few small thing, you know, sm- small pieces of furniture or whatever, but nothing, I, I always see things like that, you know, like I'm fascinated by watching like true, artisan woodworker craftsman that type of thing and and just really think it's an amazing i love like watching people that are that are very skilled finnish carpenters things like that Mm -hmm. it's just kind of super cool to me um and as soon as you said that i was like i bet that was a heavy table that's a (laughs) that's a quite a large you've got to figure out a a way to to make it uh able to be easily deconstructed because i'm sure that was exceptionally heavy but pretty cool Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what, what's the best way? So, um, my community will launch eventually. And the URL for that is reirx.com. And then otherwise, um, the socials that I provided are good ways to get a hold of me. Okay. Yeah. And we have, uh, we'll put all of this in the show notes so people have it as well. Um, well, final question for you, Michael. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is who wants to get started in real estate? They they hear this, they they uh, resonate with your story, and they kind of want to follow you know your path or or at least kind of explore uh, a pathway into real estate. I think you know coming from the lens of being a medical professional, I think we put on ourselves such an onus for perfection, and in the real estate world. You know, you're always going to be on the sidelines if you're waiting for perfection. You're never going to feel ready to do it. The important thing is to get in the game. So um, I don't want to plug my community and just, you know, you got to get some education. You got to get out there, get some comfort, um, get some people in your corner to bounce ideas off of so you're not doing it alone and then get going. Um, The analysis by paralysis, I think, I would suspect is, is high. Um, amongst medical professionals yeah and uh i mean i'll plug your community because i think it because i do think the 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 what you just said there really resonated with me that the medical professional side of things like like i have i struggled with this i still do but i struggle with this a lot because if i'm if i'm imperfect or i fail in surgery like mm-hmm that's extremely impactful, right? Like that's, right. that's a big deal. It, it's same thing for you. Like if you're anesthetizing someone and you don't 
do it right right it's like it's always about i've got to have the drug calculations exactly perfect like it like mm -hmm. everything has to be spot on and there's checks and double checks and things like that and then you get into the real estate world and the business and entrepreneurship and and everybody's like you're gonna to have to fail over and over again to actually succeed and you just don't give up and and, and all of that is true mm -hmm. but it's a very very hard mindset shift to make when you've been spending, you know, years or decades, like literally just trying to be perfect at each, <laughs> at each pass. And, and so it's kind of, uh, I think that's extremely applicable to the, to the medical world. And I think, you know, um, I've had, uh, pilots on the podcast, same thing. It's like, you, you don't want your pilot to fail, right? Like that's right. a, <laughs> that's a big problem. And so being able to, to kind of recognize that, taking some risk in business and entrepreneurship and things like that and obviously calculated but still it's it's a a different uh perspective i think so i, I think mentioning that is actually really important the, the the point that you made there just and having a community of of other medical professionals to kind of actually talk about that and and like realize you know hey we <laughs> When, when you're in the OR, when you're, you know, with patients, that sort of thing, yeah, you, you, you pretty much want to be perfect, but mm -hmm. uh, out here in the business world, here's your, t your chance to experiment and, and, you know, try what works and what doesn't work and things like that. So, uh, such a, such an important point and, and, uh, I think will be very welcome space for, for other medical professionals to have your, your community available to them. Absolutely. Uh, well. Awesome, Michael. This was this was great. Uh, I I think uh, certainly a lot of value, particularly to people in in the medical space, but but anyone you know kind of faced with uh, that high performance job, you know, question of am I am I staying in this? Is how does this fit in my lifestyle? That kind of thing, and, and making those transitions. So, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation, and and I appreciate everything that you shared. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. Yeah. Awesome. And folks listening, uh, I know you're going to get a ton of value out of this episode. Please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more great guests like Michael. Um, and thank you for listening. Hey there. I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why?